Welcome to episode 184 of Friendly Film, where you bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is The Lion King 2019. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Bailey. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Um, I am doing great. I'm just going to go ahead and leave with that and proclaim how great I'm feeling. Is that too exuberant no i don't think so oh, you're okay, rocking great. a bandana today i am i am wearing a bandana we I, talked about how we, we both become to the bandana lifestyle we recently have each been on a journey cooper and i both and we each found bandanas at this point in time in our lives and they mean something different but special to us in their own way my first experience with a bandana was big time rush back in oh. 2008 and bandana man um that's as far as that memory goes. But how are you, my friend? <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, as we'll get to in our news section, f- half of Phase Four, I think uh, they're saying it's all Phase Four. I don't buy it for a second. Has been announced. I've been up covering and theorizing and doing a whole bunch of different things. Uh, you have written how many words? Uh, At least about the about Phase Four. Ten thousand. Oh no, that's too many. Oh. Well, I guess in my lifetime, more, definitely more than that. But eight thousand this weekend. Well, I guess in, if you include all my Comic-Con coverage, which includes yes. a what to expect, what we expected pan, uh, from the Marvel Studios panel, a complete prediction of their slate from 2020 to 2023, um, and the, the like eight stories mm-hmm. that I've done so far, Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess you, at that point you're probably looking at about 10,000 words. Yeah, I was going to say, because if you did 500 with 14 articles in the last 24 hours, that's 7,000. That. Well, they're yeah, they're they're probably about on average about four fifty, and only half of those were MCU related. My the other half were goodness. other Comic Con stuff. I was trying to clear out of the queue <laughs> because like Marvel is going to drop several atomic bombs on us later, and we have to be ready. Yes, <laughs> and we still were not. <laughs> and uh, my goodness, no. Um, and that's what we're getting to later. Yeah, but you can check out all this stuff on screen. Yeah, we'll talk about it uh, later yes. on. Yes. Um, but speaking of like phase f- three and Marvel movies in general, those are on Twitter. No, they're not. I no. don't know. Listen, we have a Twitter. We do. You should go to it. It's called Friends in Film. That's a terrible segue. But if you're looking for reviews on phase three movies that have been left in the dust, like the Marvel movie Avengers Endgame, which mm-hmm. has become the highest grossing film of all time now, um, that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere podcasts can be found. But if you can, jump over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review us there. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Yeah, and uh, I think... This isn't confirmed yet, but I think in a few weeks we'll have an Avengers Endgame digital copy giveaway. Oh, snap. So stay tuned for that. You'll probably – so if you're thinking about giving us a review, maybe hold off a little bit on iTunes because I think that's probably going to give you some pretty uh, good advantages to win that prize. And shout out to the 425 of you yeah. that are now there. We've picked up some uh, some steam on Twitter thanks to uh, your crawl review uh, spreading like wildfire and uh, – People really like the Top Gun trailer, which we will talk about again later. Now, well, not right now. In a bit, we're going to talk about Lion King. Did you see anything else besides the new Lion King this week? I did. I just actually watched it the last night in this morning-ish. Okay. Um, and it was Under the Silver Lake, um, starring Andrew Garfield. And it's this, like, I don't know, was it West Hollywood? It's kind of like this South Hollywood, um, like sort of neo-noir film, but mm-hmm. also kind of flirts with being like a Pineapple Express in the terms of like it's just kind of like a, a 
deadbeat, dead air movie, uh-huh. but also a little bit of an old Hollywood mystery movie too. It's 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 throwing all of these genres together and compressing them and just doing a lot of weird things. Um, it's a little bit surrealist, but nothing too kooky or crazy. And I got to say, I enjoyed the heck out of it because it was the first time I watched Andrew Garfield in a movie um, where he was being a little more of himself and not trying to be like, you know, he's not being Peter Parker. He's not being um, the guy from Hacksaw Ridge who uh. did all those things. And I don't know. I, it was my first David um, Robert Michael movie or Mitchell movie. And I just dug it. Okay. Um, Riley Code is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Topher Grace is in yeah. there as well. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of all about that. And now I really need to jump over to It Follows because um, that's, that's also really by good. him. And I mean, yeah, it's a- A24. I'm surprised A24 didn't release it wide, but it's good. How about you, my friend? Uh, nothing new besides The Lion King. Just been going through Tarantino's filmography again uh, yeah. ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this coming week, which we will review next week. Um, so I so far made it through Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1, and half of Kill Bill Volume 2. Nice. Um, and Jackie Brown, I only saw it for the first time, I think, last year, maybe two years ago. Um, it's better on a, on a rewatch. It's one of those movies I forget that's Tarantino. Yeah. I spent like an hour with a friend once trying to figure out the movies or whatever. You know, all of his movies. Jackie Brown was one I just didn't know at all until. No, I, I, I feel like it's his forgotten movie because I think in a lot of ways people view it as his worst one. And I think it would probably be between that and like Death Proof. Um, I think that's probably the consensus there. Um, but I think that it's, I think just on a rewatch knowing what happens and kind of remembering what's going to come. I think you just pick up on things a little better and like Pam Greer kills it. Yes. Samuel Jackson, Rob De Niro are really good in it. Keaton totally forgot he was in the movie and I was like, what Michael Keaton, what are you doing here? I don't remember. It's, him. it's so bizarre, but it's also, but it's, it's, it's really solid. I def, I still wouldn't say it's top tier Tarantino because mm-hmm. that's like a very high bar to hit, but it, it is really solid. So if Sweet. you haven't seen Jackie Brown, go check it out. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but you can buy like the Blu-ray on Amazon or something. So anyways, The Lion King, a remake slash, I'm calling it a reimagining. Yes. Because I feel like that's what these Disney movies are at this point. Because um, there are some differences, but for the most part, they're the same. And I think remake just has this overall negative connotation towards it for a lot of ways. Either way, The Lion King 2019 is out in theaters right now. Hopefully you've seen it because we're going to review it. We're going to start with spoiler-free thoughts right now. Um, I did write a review on uh, our website, friendsinfilm.wordpress.com, which you can go read uh, and find out, as you'll find out right now, that I really enjoyed it. It's definitely not as good as the original movie. Mm. I will say that firsthand right now. Just get that out in the open. Um, But... I never saw the original Lion King in theaters as a child. It came out the year I was born. Um, I did see it in theaters a couple years ago when they did a re-release for it, and that was really enjoyable. But going back here now, seeing an IMAX 3D with these just jaw-dropping visuals that John Favreau and his uh, team have developed here, it, I think it's worth the price of admission because it's visually groundbreaking. It is pushing the boundaries of what we can fathom is fake mm-hmm. and cg and you're like are we sure that mouse running through the grass is not real right. that like i feel like that's a practical shot because that looks really good and i think some of like the added sequences to the movie are really just favreau and his team showing off 
the visuals. Like, look how detailed all this stuff is. Like, do we need to see a, a rat run around for two minutes before Scar gets it? No. Mm-hmm. A dumb but, beetle <laughs> pushing right. a turret across that, the that, that's a That's a three-minute sequence in The Lion King. And granted, it's not in the original. And not when it happened, I was like, huh, okay, this mm-hmm. is a little strange. But at the same time, like, that looks like a real beetle. That looks like a real, you know, ball of poop. Yeah. Like, it looks all legit. And uh, it's pretty crazy. I think that that for the most part is like why you go see this movie because the story is not going to surprise you in any ways there's a little more backstory for scar the hyenas and their motivations which after watch i was like yeah that i never really thought about that (laughs) in the original like why are why are the hyenas scars like go to people you kind of find that out here um but i think that you know donald glover does a really good job i think actually in both cases though young nala and young simba outshine the adult versions um especially from a voice perspective uh which is crazy since you know adult simba is donald glover and adult nala is beyonce right. uh, but jd mccreary and shahi Wright joseph uh kill it as the young versions of those characters uh john oliver as zazu incredible mm-hmm. so good <laughs> but really the standard of, this, of these movies uh are Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen as Timon and Pumbaa. They are so good. Uh, a different comedy style than we've seen before. And Favreau just kind of lets them go in some sequence. You're like, this doesn't feel necessary or uh, even like in tune with the Lion King, but I'm like here for it. And there was like several laugh out loud moments coming, especially from Billy Eichner. He is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said on Twitter, you know, he's Oscar buzz for the role. <laughs> I doubt it, but that would be quite a feat for him. And really, I just... Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the the story did not surprise me in any ways. There's, um, I think the songs, are, for the most part, are good, but not great. And that's about it. But, like, visually, this movie is insane. So I'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five. Okay. And pass it on to you. All right. Thank you so much. I'll just take that. Uh, all right. There you go. Ah, thank you. God, I'm all set. All right. Yeah. Um, I mostly agree with you. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, Did you think I was going to go negative? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just kind of, I, I was... I came in expecting the semi battle of what's the point of this movie <laughs> sort of like the thing we did with Aladdin kind of. You, I think you kind of expect me to sweep the leg every time, you know, Maybe. we come up to like these kind of movies, but um, yeah, the Lion King is a, is a sweet and stunning trip down memory lane for, for me. It was, I mean, and for you too, I uh-huh. imagine. So like the photo realism is what I've, the term I've been seeing yeah. passed around and I love it so much because like that animation will catch you off guard when you witness it across the pride lands. Um, and for a moment you will, it'll trick you into believing that something's real. You are, um, you will for, you'll stop looking for the imperfections and you'll just say, yes, that this immaculate close up a young Simba is real. And you're just studying it across. Like you're looking at something, you know, right out of, uh, um, Animal Planet or Nat Geo or anything like that. Um, there's no hint of digital betrayal at all. It is, I mean, not there's a few there's a few sequences, but not here, not in these gorgeous, bright lit um, Savannah Sun, you know, moments, and it's awesome. Um, and you know, the thing is, like you were saying, I do struggle with the why are we here and all of those sorts of things. But that only came across because I knew the story already. Mm-hmm. And I felt my mind disconnecting and just looking at everything else. And so I never checked my phone or anything like that throughout the story. But it is literally beat for beat with a few things where you said they just show off how great they are. Um, but musically, I thought it was perfect. 
I mean, they're they're different versions. They're not better versions. I don't think. I think they're incomparable because you yeah. can sing along and just do them all. Um, Beyonce and Donald Glover together harmonizing, beautiful. It's Billy Eichner, Seth Rogen, and Donald Glover, fantastic. Beyonce has a solo track that's yeah. something about like the spirit of the wild or something. I haven't looked it up the name no, of it. I, I believe it is called Spirit, though. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's what I figured. It, it was great. Um, but what the movie really does and really hooked me on though, where, where I sunk my teeth into it most is. When you, this photorealism kind of renders vividly the circle of life, that theme, that that whole African ethos that kind of has undergirded the movie. And that's what I really loved about it. That ongoing balance between, you know, um, just total destruction, which Scar is, and then Mufasa and James, you know, and all those things. And that's where I really decided I'm okay with this movie. And then, like you said, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen just I wanted to hug them and then you know adopt a warthog and a meerkat like Billy Billy Eichner is really positioning himself to break out though he's not getting Oscar buzz but Billy on the street is gonna can't be canceled because he's gonna have so many other things to do right but did you see did you see the tweet I'm talking about uh yeah I think well he's been joking about it for a while um but he was on the Conan podcast. And yeah. He's like, once I get that, once I get that Lion King money, it's over for you, hoes, and things like that. <laughs> he's, so he he quote tweeted uh, a tweet that said, "quote Billy Eichner question mark That's the dumbest name I've ever heard." Dash Jasper, age eight, and he said, "Well, someone better tell little Jasper he needs to get used to it because I have Oscar buzz." <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like that's like exact. That's like just yeah, great Billy Eichner. When the first well, most of us stumbled upon him with either Billy on the street mm-hmm. or his Parks and Rec appearances, right? And like okay. The end ticket stub rating is um, four. Okay. With the caveat of none of this was necessary. They could have released the soundtrack and then done an Animal Planet, the Lion King documentary mm-hmm. sponsored by Disney, and I would have been just as like enthralled to go revisit the <laughs> okay. old. Um, but you know, yeah, I I I really enjoyed it, I, all the way through. Um, necessary? No. Loved it. Yes. Sure. I mean, I think, again, that gets into the debate of, is any movie necessary? No. It's entertainment, whatever. Yeah. It's a showcase for what they can do, Mm -hmm. more so than anything else. Yeah. I would say. I think that the the whole, like again, like necessary or whatever debate comes in from, like, you know, when The Jungle Book was remade in 2016, nobody was like, do we really need another Jungle Book? It was like, okay, cool. Do the Jungle Book. We don't really care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody has like the Jungle Book as like their number one all time Disney movie. Yes. The, a lot of people do for Lion King. And exactly. that's the big difference here. So I think that it coming in, and yes, it's not reaching the heights of that first movie because uh-huh. again, you know the story, but I still think that it delivers the emotional beats when needed. It, it doesn't, um, you know, again, I, I found so, I found some of the songs kind of lacking. I guess we're in quote unquote spo- spoiler territory. Mufasa dies. Holy crap! <laughs> I was actually on that note. I was surprised uh, to like go back and see it. Like in the original synopsis for the original Lion King, mm-hmm. that's in there. That like Mufasa dies. I'm like, oh yeah. Whoa. It's the yeah. Like I, that's what I always thought. I was going to joke like... about it at the start of the film <laughs> or the start of our take here. That like, oh man, like like you said, non spoiler. I'm like, well, Mufasa dies, right? Because <laughs> that's the inciting incident for everything else, right? But it's just like I don't know that like just in my 2019 brain, mm-hmm. I'm just imagining like if The Lion King was this brand new movie coming out today, yeah. The synopsis, the trailers, the whatever they do not spoil that the father figure's dead. Like, mm, I think I think they would 
hot, they would you know beat around the bush and be like, oh, Simba's off on his own adventure. <laughs> what happened? It's like, <laughs> right. oh, I don't know. Yeah. What's happening? They, they don't really show Pride Rock or anything. And you just see him, Timon and Pumbaa. Like, okay, this is gonna be a nice, fun film. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, we're gonna get <laughs> my heart here. is broken. <laughs> As, you know these. What are they? Um, uh, wildebeest. The, wildebeest. Just just stampede right over him. It's like yikes. Um, but I think just going into like I guess. Because we've been very positive about this movie. I mm-hmm. think just like nitpick sort of territory. Um, I thought that the creature designs, the looks of the creatures, excellent. Yes. But. They don't lend themselves to conversation or speaking at all. I think that um, as far as from like a talking standpoint, it was good. The The thing I had the most problem with with them um, was with their eyes. Hmm. Because. And I talked about this with like, you know, my dad and stuff like in animation, they're kind of dead. You can go big, shocking reveals, especially when Mufasa dies. You do that pan in on or that pan out, I guess, on Simba and his eyes are just like as large as his head almost. Yeah. You can't do that here. Right. And it's just these regular eyes and they don't they never really change. And I I felt like you could have even if it wasn't totally, you know, realistic for a real lion and Mm -hmm. how their, you know, face actually works like giving them more expressions with their eyebrows or something would have helped, I think come across in the emotional aspect of the film. Yeah, absolutely. Like when they're laughing and things like that, you're like, how are you laughing? Right. It's <laughs> like there, there was like, I think when like Timon and Pumbaa like make fun of uh, Simba's, Oh, I think, you know, the Kings of old are up mm-hmm. there in the scars. Right. When they laughed, that seemed like, like they have their eyes closed. That seemed natural and real. It's like, okay, uh-huh. I guess, I guess they can do that. But like, with like, Simba's angry versus happy or sad or confused. There's no change. I think that's if there's that next step we have to go to um, in terms of like CGI creatures and doing this sort of stuff. That's where you go. Right. But the problem is you have to try to keep that photorealistic look to them and not go the jungle book uncanny. Is this a human or a person Mm -hmm. or is this a human or an animal face I'm looking at where it's like I see Christian Bale, (laughs) but I also see. What is he? A, uh, a leopard? He's a panther. A yep. panther. It's just like hmm, this is weird. Yeah, and I, like I don't, I don't know. Like I definitely like you could, yeah, you could feel the expression and emotion from those faces. But then at the same time, like you said, you 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 find yourself just intently staring at that face, looking for Christian Bale, and you see him. Um, and, and along with uh, whom else is there? Ben Kingsley? No, he's in the uh, the Disney version, right? Uh, he he. Ben Kingsley is in the Jungle Book. Yes, not the Legend of Mowgli. I don't remember. I don't remember Me the Mowgli's cast. Kate Blanchett is in there, I think. And yes, uh, it's a snake. Like right, you can see all of that. Yes. Um, but I will say this though: it was so great to hear James Earl Jones's voice oh, again. Yeah. That was that was wonderful. Every every line was pitch perfect and coming out. I mean, just like the the, the magnificence of Mufasa and James Earl Jones are mm-hmm. just one and in and of itself together in my mind. Um, a few times I was like, Darth Vader, is that you? <laughs> uh, but uh, like outside of all of that, um, you know, it, it was just wonderful. Like you said about John Oliver too, his Zazu right on. It was, it's weird to have like, it's weird to have that voice coming out of such like a real bird. Mm-hmm. Um, but like once you get over that hump, it all just works perfect. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of like, sh- you shut off too. Oh, that's just how things work. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, I go. mean, and I think the only thing from like a visual perspective where I was like, something's a little lacking is like 
you know, in the origin in the animated movie, you know, the manes of Mufasa and Simba are these like these gorgeous reds, and so is Pumbaa's hide is red, and like they can easily stand out. And even Scar is like this dark brown, but then he has this like very dark black mane, and so like visually they're very different than each other. And this one, there's a little bit of a difference between how Scar and Simba look from mm-hmm. like a color perspective, yep. but like it's not as um like uh clear. So like when they fight at the end on pride rock it's like there's fire there's smoke it's night i'm like i don't know who is who yep and so it's like that is one of the things that, again gets lost in the translation from animation mm-hmm. to live action um does it still look great yes yes but again maybe you find a way to in that instance veer away from the this has to 100 percent real and get into the more like fantastical elements of it yeah because like be prepared Great song, great number in the anime movie. This one, it's like forty-five seconds long. Mm-hmm. Half of it's talking, and there's that that bright green neon mist and smoke and lava, yes. or whatever that is. That's all gone, and it's just like this visually not appealing scene. It's completely drab all the way through. Some like so, so, yeah. I mean, some liberties and like you know, like I said, like Planet Earth could have been this, and that's where it's at its best. Is when you just see a young lion cub creeping up on a little bug right. or just moving his way through this, you know, this, um, you know, golden hour Savannah sunsets and things like that. Mm-hmm. And outside of that, it's just sort of, it's the Lion King story and you can enjoy your way through it like that. Right. So I don't know if I have anything else. I really need to get off my chest about the Lion King. I don't have anything either. Other than I, I, I found say- out that Chance the Rapper had a yeah. voice cameo in He's, this. He, I, I, I believe he is the, the the red bug, the red eyed um, creature that lives with Timon and Pumbaa, which I did like that aspect of the movie too. Where like they aren't these like complete social outcasts; they are outcasts with other outcasts. Mm-hmm. Like they're like part of like a a village of their own. I was yeah. like, oh, that's cool. Like they're on their own way of life. And yeah, Chance the Rapper's in there. And um, I did like at the end of uh, Akuna Matata when like Glover just kind of goes freestyle. Right. And they're like. Hey man, our our song's over. We just start singing Mr. Song. Stop! And he's just like, no. And he just yeah. kept on going. And he's like, do we stop him? What do we do? Yeah, I mean, he's aged like, like or he's like, he's he's like four hundred pounds heavier right. than when we began. So that was a really good meta moment. Yes. Um. Yeah, and like they they were really the joy of the movie for me though. Right. Like from just, the second they pop on screen, I'm like, okay. Hmm. I I I needed that. Yep. Because the first forty five minutes, dour somewhat and it's like okay like this is this is all really good but then it's like i needed that comedic element to come in with timon and boomba so thousand percent plays out just like the original movie and yeah we're in agreement here four ticket stubs out of five for me and josh will you ever watch it again no i don't think so i'll listen to the soundtrack to death though i won't i definitely won't i probably won't go back to see to the theaters and see it but i'll still probably add it to my blu-ray collection and the next time some you know big cgi revolutionary movie comes out. I'm like, you know what? going to check out The Lion King again and see how that compares. Yeah. I will. Oh, I do have one more low-key note, though. Beyonce had, like, so few lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it felt like such a huge get. And then she's, like, she's got, like, maybe two pages of lines this entire film. Yeah, I think, I mean, they did give her, like, that added sequence of showing her actually leaving Pride Rock. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you cut that out and, like, give Nala her original role in the original movie, it's, like... Yeah, she gets, like, absolutely nothing to do. Right. That's how it is before, and I think they try to beef it up, but you can only beef up 
adult knowledge role so much right because of the story exactly so and I do have questions about Mufasa and his sister wives that he's got going there. Yeah. I, oh, I, I did like that. I, I, I liked the idea that Scar got his scar from Mufasa yes. over a fight for um, Harabi? Zarabi. Zarabi? Or, or, yeah, Zarabi, I believe. Um, I did like that. And then like him trying to like woo her onto his side. He's like, listen, the king's gone. I'm the king now. You need to be with me and rule. And she's just like, no, I was, I was like half waiting for like some other lioness mm-hmm. to like, be like, all right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're no not kidding. gonna take this chance. I'll take the power play, go to the head of the throne. Um, that didn't happen, but you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's. I don't know if that's how the natural animal kingdom works and the hierarchy. I um, mean, there are no other male lions around, so we're only true. left to assume that that's how it would work. Yeah, I would assume but... so. But, okay. Hey, again, this is uh, this is a fan friend movie. I don't really care. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, enjoyable. If you haven't seen Lion King, go see it. Visually, really great. Uh, or just pop back in the original 1994 movie, and you'll probably have a a, a better experience. You'll have a better experience, mm-hmm. guaranteed. But this one's still worth checking out. That's what I have to say about it for now. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. As always, we'll start with the three main topics, except this week, are we're not doing three main topics. We're doing one mega giant topic, all dedicated to the MCU Phase 4 reveals at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Or, if you please, 20 different mega topics, all under that banner. Are there 20? I don't know, but it'll be a lot. <laughs> there, yeah, I mean, there's probably like at least 20 talking points to get <laughs> so through, So many things. There, there's just, yeah, there's literally so much. Their panel started at 8.15 last night as they were recording. Um eastern time that is and for the next two hours as they went along and then afterwards things kept trickling out it's just like there's so much news so many things to talk about generally before we get into the specifics of what they announced did you have a general feeling about what they announced excitement boredom you didn't pay attention you caught up after the fact i caught up after the fact you know locked in from (laughs) 10 minutes before it started (laughs) Uh, I, i caught up after the fact and but my mentality this entire thing like kind of like turning on twitter to see what had happened was all right let's see what i already know is true and what's not but as i was kind of going through this i was i started to think oh no the new the next step for the like bold and new and good Mm -hmm. overall that's what i love that's kind of like what i was surprised to see and like my i had like one tweet where i was just like the like bold plan by Marvel to hire great directors right. and talent <laughs> and cast. Like, I, let's see if it pays off. It probably will. It probably or will. at least will be better for it. It'll be interesting for mm-hmm. it. But like all of the things that they did, I loved. Yeah, and I've, I was like ten minutes before it started. I was locked in, ready to go, ready to write, and I just like don't know why this anxious wave just came over me. I was like, what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like, Cooper, you know what's happening? Like. It's been pretty clear, like the movie, the mo- these movies are going to be announced. These people are going to be in them. These those are going to play. This is the slate. It's going to be fine. And then as 
like basically right from the start there were surprises and reveals. I was like, oh, I wasn't prepared at all. And I, even though I was, the weird thing is, I was over ambitious in what I thought they were going to announce. Uh-huh. They confirmed five movies. They talked about five Disney Plus TV shows. I was like, oh, we're getting eight movies because that's how many they have dated so far. And with all the things we're going to talk about here, I don't even, I can't fathom three more movies worth of information at this point. Maybe that will come at D23 in a month. Mm-hmm. But right now, if they would have announced even two more movies i'd be like this is too much i can't i cannot comprehend it all and uh we're gonna just jump right in we're gonna go in the order that the movies are gonna be released not necessarily the order that marvel talked about it all you know we will get into some of that later on and right from now actually because as kevin feige marvel Studios president opened up the panel he confirmed that avengers endgame has passed avatar become the mm-hmm. biggest movie of all time as you allude to at the top of the show this is huge it finally happened. Uh, I'm I'm happy that it, it that it happened. If it didn't happen, I would be like, okay, mm-hmm. cool, fine, whatever. It's not. It's still the second biggest movie of all time. Yeah. But just to have, even if it's just for now, before Disney re-releases Avatar next year ahead of Avatar two, right. and it surpasses it somehow, knowing that Avengers Endgame is the biggest movie ever, that's like the highest of highs you can ever get to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's a good it's a good bullet point to have underneath the right. entire thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you can just like, it's a cinematic achievement in such a way. And it, it, it you know, identifies and adopts the entirety or not identify, but it's, it's, um, what's the word where it, it means it stands. It's, it's a good symbol for everything that the MCU has been in Hollywood. Right. Avatar was a good symbol for like CG and effects mm-hmm. and where we're going. And it got that spot for it. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see, um, Endgame and the MCU getting that staple, you know, yeah, under you know that that notch in its belt, right? And will, it's just like that thing for its resume. Not that they again, not that they needed it to be the number one movie of all time, but just like to show that eleven years of largely successful, well reviewed, well received movies and building up a a this overarching story slowly but and but in some cases you know speeding through things to get to certain points mm-hmm. but having a plan in place that is always somewhat fluid but with an end game in mind um you know it can pay off yeah. the biggest ways possible and that's why as we get into phase 4 we look forward to the future of the MCU it's just like where do we go from here there's obviously going to be a big drop down the next movie is not going to be the biggest movie of all time right i would assume I'll, I'll gladly be surprised if as as i'll you know mention black widow is confirmed to be the first movie of phase four it comes out may 1st 2020 so if that becomes the biggest movie of all time next year uh more power to black widow and mm-hmm. they'll be like marvel why weren't you doing this you know in 2011 after iron man 2 you should have been giving her solo movies this whole time um but we confirmed that the the release date's may 1st 2020 the director is going to be kate shortland as was previously reported we also got confirmation that Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Rachel Wise, and O.T. Fagbenley will all be in the movie. Um, Pugh has been confirmed to be Yelena Belova, another Black Widow. David Harbour has been confirmed to be Red Guardian, this Russian version of Captain America, essentially. Wise is this, like, assassin character, and Fagbenley is a quote-unquote fixer, is what he's been describing himself as, who, like, may have a romantic thing with Black Widow. He helps her out. It's unclear at this point, but... That is what that's like the initial information dump on Black Widow. It's happening. Mm-hmm. This is the cast as of now. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, it sounds terrific. 
Um, David Harbour is like riding high in my mind a little bit right now. I don't know if it's Stranger Things mm-hmm. or if I just, I mean, it definitely wasn't that movie he was in earlier. Hellboy. Hellboy. <laughs> yeah, he even forgot his name. Didn't even see it. No, I, I was, guy. as I, as we talked about uh, last week, I was on vacation the week before mm-hmm. and it was one of the movies on the plane to watch. And I was just like, I could, but it's also R rated and we're on the planes and they're going to censor things. And also I don't want to watch Hellboy on this 12 inch screen in front of me for good call on a plane. That's yeah. A bad idea. But that, and then uh, of course, Florence Pugh again, high in my mind, mm-hmm. just crushed everything that she did in Midsommar. Um, and then Scarlett Johansson, Rachel Weisz. So they've got like just a slate of ultra talented people like ready to go and bring on the black widow story. It's, right. We have one setting detail. Yes. Of it, right. Yeah. There's, there was a, so footage was shown at the end of the panel um, or after, at the end of the black widow presentation part. Um, they, it opened with a Black Widow versus Yelena fight as they kind of uh, talked about each other as sisters, but clearly they've gone through similar training because they do the same moves on each other. Uh, and it, it drew comparisons to the grittiness of like a of like a Bourne movie or The Winter Soldier. Nice. Um, and nice. then there were uh, a, a sizzle reel of other action scenes, a motorcycle, a motorcycle chase that uh, got some Mission Impossible Fallout similarities, which makes sense because Rob Hardy's the cinematographer on both films. Um, and then it ended or i guess there was also mention of budapest which is a long running kind of joke or mention in the black widow uh history in the mcu yeah. where it's like oh it's this is like budapest all over again you me remember budapest differently mm-hmm. this is definitely not like budapest they just keep mentioning budapest and we're finally going to go there with black widow uh in the movie so it's unclear though if it's like the og budapest mission or if this is like her going back to budapest at this point so it's, i'm not sure if hawkeye will actually be involved in the budapest section of the movie but uh this is all super exciting it's confirmed to be uh taking place between civil war and yeah. infinity war so we have a confirmed placement which also makes sense because with a cast like this why would you make this movie take place in like the early 2000s mm-hmm. where it's like oh well Really, Florence Pugh should be 20 years older if you want to bring her back. Yeah. And it's like, no, you can have it take place five years ago, seven years ago, and then she can return in a couple years. She'll be older, more matured, and she can just be the new Black Widow probably moving forward in the MCU. Um, and yeah, I mean, David Harbour as a, probably a villain character, it seems like, uh, as Red Guardian, that's uh, very interesting and exciting. Um, but we also know with confirmation that Taskmaster is the villain mm-hmm. of the movie. If you don't know who Taskmaster is, he is a villain who has copycat abilities, basically. So any move he sees, he can then replicate. So it basically makes him sort of like the ultimate fighter because he could, if he fought Spider-Man, he could then do any move Spider-Man could do. Sans the web shooters, obviously. Yeah. Um, Daredevil, Black Widow, Captain America, anything, any physical move, he can then replicate because of like just his own abilities, which is super awesome. It sounds like the scissor reel ended with them fighting and again, doing the exact same move. So just from my like fight choreography perspective, I'm just fascinated to see that on the big screen. I wish I could have seen that footage. Hopefully we'll see it by the end of the year when our first trailer drops. But yes. um, I mean, yeah, black widow is probably the one movie on the slate. That's like, we knew most of this information. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like that much surprised me. Like I, I thought it was going to be out in May. I thought these were all these people going to be in the movie. There wasn't like a oh by the way Keanu Reeves is Taskmaster, mm-hmm. which I guess could be the case because they didn't confirm who is Taskmaster. Um, and I thought it was going to be Fag Benley, but if he is this other person, right, then that leaves 
you know, Taskmaster that role open, and he's a, you know, a masked character. You don't have to really see his face that often, so you could, if you're Marvel, delay casting him. Mm-hmm. And there have been those rumblings of Keanu Reeves, could it be in Eternals, could it be another movie, we don't know. But we do know he's not in Eternals, as we'll get to in a second. But that just seems like one I was like, oh, man. You got John freaking Wick to be, like, the ultimate MCU fighter? Yeah. Like, that just seems... If, you, if you're not going to give him, like, Moon Knight or something, uh-huh. that just seems, like, so pitch perfect. In this gritty Kate Shoreland type, right. you know, action film, thriller. Yeah. And then you can, on. then he can return for, like, a Thunderbolts movie as, like, an anti-hero. Um, there are so many ways you can go with Taskmaster. So, like, yeah, this, that, this is my wild pitch at this point because, mm-hmm. again, this was not confirmed. <laughs> uh, but Keanu Reeves as Taskmaster would be uh, chef's kiss. Yeah. Awesomeness. David Harbour is not a character you want to put underneath uh, any kind of masks or gear or anything no. like that. And that's you like to see his expressive face. Yeah. Oh, I, he was rocking a, a man bun, a, a man ponytail. Oh, at, wow. the, at, at the con. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> Red Guardian is getting a little real interesting. Russian here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, that is the that's the one detail about the movie that I we didn't know was his role. So like him being a Russian Captain America is like. I think pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm and especially to see the just, renderings. Right. Like, he, you know, he wore like a Captain America t-shirt to the con just to kind of like poke fun at the role and stuff and be like, oh, well, you know, personally, as David Harbour, I like Captain America, but my character, not <laughs> so much. Right. So like, I don't know. I Like, I doubt they're going to actually show a like past where like Red Guardian and Captain America fought or something. But like, if there is that history, mm-hmm. you never know. Maybe Chris Evans does come back for like a, two scene role that'd be pretty crazy um but let's move on from black widow if that's cool with you yes and go to eternals there we which go. Uh, is the next film up for the marvel cinematic universe in phase four it's coming out november 6th 2020 as expected it'll also be directed by chloe zhao and marvel confirmed the cast which had surprising additions surprising omissions and surprising roles for some of these characters. So uh, we'll start off with Sama Hayek has been cast as Ajax. She's going to be the leader of the Eternals. Great. Mm-hmm. That seems that seems like a great fit. And yes. I haven't double-checked this yet, but I'm pretty sure in the comics, Ajax, for one, is a dude. So they're switching that up. Um, but two, I also think that he is like an antagonist. So I wonder if Sama Hayek is secretly the villain of the movie as well. Um, because we don't have like a Druid character or anything. That's like, oh, the, you're clearly the bad guy. And some Hayek is like of the list. She kind of fits that mold of Marvel's big name person that you bring in for like a movie, maybe a second one and like really goes for it all. Yeah. So I could, I could see that. T- I could see that being the case. Um, we also got Richard Maddy confirmed as Icarus. He's going to be basically the, the lead, the true lead of the movie. Uh, he called himself, I think, on stage, the sexiest Eternal. Uh, so uh, that just kind of puts you in the headspace of what Icarus thinks of himself. Uh, then Angelina Jolie was confirmed, but she's not Cersei, as many believe she's going to be. She's going to be Thena, uh, who's like a warrior um, for the Eternals, which I think that sounds cool. Uh, then the surprise. Brian Tyree Henry has joined the movie as a character called Fastos. Years. Admittedly. Don't know anything about Fastos. No, but he's um, got a hammer, man. Yes, but he's like, again, probably a warrior character, and it's Brian freaking Tyree freaking Henry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like the best. And so him joining the MCU, that this, that was the first surprise of the night because Eternals was the first movie up for the panel. But I was like, whoa, I don't know what's happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if he's this is coming early on, who knows what's going to happen later? And as we get to, they surprised in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry, since he's the new edition, we haven't talked about him. 
we'll obviously throw that he's aboard and join the oh, MCU. Absolutely. Love Brian and all the things. Like when he was announced out there, I kind of saw his name out there. I'm like, oh yeah, he was already in that thing. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that's new information. <laughs> yeah. Because like, oh, no, he's... he was only in Joker and he's going to be in A Quiet Place 2 and then he's yes. going to be in Godzilla, King of the vs. Uh, Kong. Yes, he's exactly. He's everything. There's just so many things going on that has a name attached to him. I'm like, oh yeah, duh. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, that's a new thing. Bring yeah. it on. Perfect. I'm so happy for him. Um, and then we also got confirmation that uh, Don Lee, who is, uh, as we've previously been calling him, Dong, uh, Madong Siak. Uh, Don Lee is, the, I guess, his actor name. Um, he's going to play Gigamesh, who is this like outcast super warrior of the Eternals, uh, as we kind of previously assumed. Um, then, uh, a pretty exciting, uh, addition, Lauren Ridloff, who is an actress I'm not familiar with, but she's going to play Makari and she will be the first deaf character in the MCU. So, oh, wow. uh, they have, she's, she's, I, I, as far as I've read, she, and she was signing on stage. So she is deaf in real life. She's going to play Makari as a deaf person, um, which is again, part of that move by Marvel studios, by Disney to push diversity in all ways and showing all just how really anybody can be a hero. So I think that's a super cool uh, move by them, even though I was like, oh, it's going to be Kumail and he's going to be this fast talking, wisecracking guy. Mm-hmm. But like now to have be a, a, a signer be this speedster, I think that's like a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. So uh, excited to see her. Uh, then we also got Leah McHugh cast as Sprite, who's one of the oldest Eternals, but she's also um, the, like, the youngest one. Uh, McHugh's a relative newcomer to Hollywood. She's going to be in the mo- this movie called The Lodge uh, later this year, which is a horror movie that's gotten pretty good reviews. Um, this is the role that I think a lot of people, myself included, one Millie Bobby Brown to take on. That is not going to be the case, obviously. Um, so if Millie Bobby Brown's going to join the MCU, that'll come later. And then, as mentioned, Kumail Nanjiani was confirmed as well, but he's not Makari, as I thought he was going to be. He's going to play this character called Kingo. I don't know anything about Kingo. No. Does he have a sword, though? I'm Googling him right now. Okay. This guy's got a sword. He's, he's invoking a lot of samurai elements to me, if I'm looking at the yes. right thing. Yeah, he's got a, he's got double katanas, it looks like. Um, yeah. I cannot wait to see Kamel Proficient is like a samurai, basically, for the Eternals. So. Bring it on, uh, man. Yeah, that's a, that's a very different role that I thought he was going to have, but that's also like... Oh, that's a super cool one. He's ready to step up into it. Yeah. He's, he's been, uh, he was um, introduced to some action elements in uh-huh. Stuber, and it's the perfect next jump for yeah. him. Yeah. So, yeah, we're big fans of Camille. And again, uh, this is the one that, if any of the one, I was surprised by the, like, they didn't really talk about where the movie takes place or what the movie is actually about. Mm-hmm. There's more like, here's this incredible cast. We're moving on. So, I wish we maybe would have had a little bit more details on, like, is this movie taking place thousands of years ago? And it's like, this is how the Eternals came to Earth in the first place. This is how the Eternals were created originally by the Celestials. What's the story here? That's one thing I did want to know, but I guess that's news for a different point in time. Because as of now, that's uh, maybe the best lineup Marvel's ever had for a first-time property. Yes. It like it, 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 it rivals Black Panther for sure. But I think Black Panther is more like after the fact of like, whoa, Marvel loaded this thing we just didn't know it this mm-hmm. one is like oh they loaded it and we do know it i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm oh i think i think they'd have to be equal but i think our love for everyone that's in this eternals cast i mean kamel um brian and uh someone angelina jolie just get like all this affection right. from us because 
at least at least at least from this podcast specifically. Yes, absolutely. Um, then you toss in Richard Madden, who are, you, know, you can track our Game of Thrones uh-huh. conversation throughout the yeah, entire go, season. Go finale. see him in a Bodyguard. He's great That's in that. That's right. You toss that out there, and so it, it's it's definitely stacked. Um, Rivals Black Panther. Yeah. But Black Panther's, a lot of it is based off of the production team, too. Oh, that's, that's definitely true. But, so that, that's that's 2020, Black Widow and Eternals. Is that, uh, that's a surprising year, even though that's, like, what I've expected from Marvel to actually confirm that that is, those are their two movies, two, set, like, essentially new franchises, even though we've seen Black Widow before, obviously, but, like, which one is, like, which one of those movies are you mo- more anticipating? Eternals. Just because it's new, there's so many people in there, and Kamel Nanjani officially in the MCU is like excites me a ton, and then yeah. like Brian Tyree, like all of these people who you just kind of like wi- like wish success upon mm-hmm. are now in this movie, right? And I can't wait to see. And then plus, I mean, like I, 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 Chloe Zhao's movie too. I want to know what that's gonna be right. and what it's going to explore. And like, they did and, say they're going full Jack Kirby, so like it's gonna be perfect Thor Ragnarok sort of style. Yeah, and then like you know what her um, what her sensibilities are character wise because um, the writer is yes. her film, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a it's a it's a, literally a writer and it's like a, it's a character study. Mm-hmm. And so what's the character study on all of these people? Right. And what's Angelina Jolie going to bring to it? What's Richard Madden going to bring to it? What's all of these people going to bring to it? So I'm ready to see that. Right. I think, I, I, I know I, I read a quote from Zhao. I think it was with like EW maybe, uh, where she's talking about how like sort of what the movie is about, but not like in a pop perspective, like, like, Oh, this is how the Eternals first come to earth. And then in the process, learn about, what it means to be human mm-hmm. and what like humanity is really about. So it's probably going to be that like sort of like real character focused thought provoking, like, Oh, what does it mean to be a person? Yeah. And that's going to be the theme of the movie. And I think that's with a cast like this, uh, there's a pretty good chance that they'll knock it out of the park. So uh, we'll move on to 2021, even though there's also announcement that, you know, the Falcon Winter Soldier show is coming to Disney Plus in 2020. Mackie's going to get the shield. Daniel Brule's back as Zemo. All very exciting, but uh, it's going to be on TV. So we're going to exclude that com- from the conversation Great for stuff. now. Move on to the first movie of 2021 coming out February 12th, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So again, this is a movie that uh, we've known is in development, but... The, the 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 first surprise was just that title, the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. The Ten Rings are the evil organization in MCU that kidnapped Tony Stark on behalf of Obadiah Stane. They tried to get the Yellow Jacket serum, um, and Ant Man. They've been kind of all over the place. And the uh, All All Hail the King one shot uh, that came out after Iron Man three confirmed that the real Mandarin does exist. That the real Ten Rings organization is still out there and active and not happy necessarily. So. The Ten Rings, the legend of them, that's a very interesting title just to kind of kick us off and be like, whoa, what is this movie actually about? Yeah, speculate like mad. <laughs> like, I'm thinking that there could be a double, maybe even a triple meaning to the title where the legend of the Ten Rings refers to the organization, but it also like tells us that we're going to learn about probably how they were formed in some sense, or at least their history. But then also the Mandarin, who we're going to talk about in a second, he is the leader of the group, and he wears these 10 rings on his fingers um, that each have this like other, this unique technological superpower mm-hmm. uh, to them. And so I wonder if the 10 rings that he wears are the MacGuffins of the movie. And it's like, they've either been lost um, for years and it's about the search for them or they've just been found. And now it's about Shang-Chi trying to like yeah. stop the Mandarin from getting them. 
and it's like he, this is the rush for power. Right. It's about the ten rings and Shang Chi versus the ten rings trying to get the ten rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. They'll like work on so many levels. Like it's Infinity War, but in one movie right. about rings for fingers. Yeah. You know, like chasing Tom Brady's champion. Who has ten rings? More than Bill Russell. It's like yeah. it's like, it's like he's got like eleven. I he's think. got thirteen. Eleven or thirteen. I want to say thirteen. It's a nuts number. Anyway, I think that's probably right. Uh bring give this to me. For so many ways, I've been trying to read up on Shang Chi just because um, I want to know like what's this all about, and it's mm-hmm. just like straightforward like kung fu action. I mean, with just like some like um, like Indiana Jones esque mythos and things like that, kind of like forming and culminating right. around it. And I am all about that. And I, I don't know. I can't. I, I just. I cannot wait to see what um, Destin Crinton like. Yep. Brings to this. Yep. Destin Daniel Crinton was confirmed to be the director of the movie. Um, and as I mentioned, the Mandarin is in here. He's going to be played by Tony Leung. Um, we also got word that Simu Liu is going to play Shang Chi. He was just cast this past week. Wow. Uh, so that's how quick of a turnaround this has been for him. Um, he's already a great Twitter follow. He's been <laughs> cracking jokes all the time. This it's great. Um, and then the news that. Maybe you don't know about this. I don't know if you do. Uh, the other cast member for Shang-Chi. Uh, yes, I do know this. Aquafina, yes. your favorite person. Yes. Uh, it kills me inside that I cannot see the farewell right now oh, because I know. of my location. I just, oh, I just wish so badly. Uh, and my you know, heart Maybe hurts. her movement into the MCU will give this one a little bit more of a, a boost. I hope so. I hope so. I've been, I've, I mean, even her random appearances on that Disney Channel show that my sister would watch. I think that's her pretty sure that's her don't okay. quote me on it. it's like a fake youtube show i don't uh, know maybe anyway uh the the glimpses thought she was funny jumped into crazy rich asians phenomenal job oceans eight i was all about her you, oh yeah you 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 were, i'm gonna hold it over your head i, for I the was, longest I time. was, I was like, not thrilled <laughs> you were skeptical <laughs> you were skeptical and now she's right into the mcu bring it on uh, i'm stoked yeah. Um, so yeah, I wish we had word on who she was playing. I don't know that. I don't. Again, Shang Chi has, like, he's been in Marvel comics for a long time, but like his actual lore and stories, like, there's not that many like solo Shang Chi runs. I don't really know that much about his like supporting cast of characters. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. I don't think her role has been confirmed as of yet. But again, yeah, this is a this is a big move for Marvel. First Chinese. Uh, led movie. Uh, it's gonna come in the Chinese New Year, so like they're gonna probably make gangbusters money um, overseas with the movie. And as long as the movie's good, which we all hope it will be, um, hopefully Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is the first of many Shang Chi movies that we will get uh, from the MCU. Bring it all on. Next up, May seventh, twenty twenty one, Doctor Strange two announced, confirmed, with the craziest subtitle. Maybe the craziest. We'll talk about the, the, the one that comes after this and maybe crazier and weirder. I don't know. But I think this is the weirdest one. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh. That's the title of Doctor Strange 2. Scott Derrickson is back to direct it. He, on stage, mentioned that it is Marvel's first scary movie, uh, which I'm very interested to see what that means. Uh, because I don't like. Uh, we're not going to go R. I feel pretty confident about that. Yes. But it's like. So where, where are you pushing it with PG-13 horror? I think that's going to be an interesting thing. And Derrickson has a, a rich history and backstory with uh, horror movies. So it makes sense for him to make this leap. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch back, obviously, as Doctor Strange. But the uh, the big addition to the movie is uh, Elizabeth Olsen is going to return as Scarlet Witch. Uh, she's the only other cast member we know of right now. There's rumors that Nightmare could be the villain. Um, but right now we know that... Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch are teaming up for a movie 
that is subtitled The Multiverse of Madness, which is so weird and mm-hmm. wild and mm-hmm. leaves me with so many questions about what this movie is going to be. Yeah, I, I immediately pictured like pictured the Joker laughing hysterically in like a dark funhouse mirror, but each mirror is actually a multiverse that takes you to somewhere weird and mysterious and evil and awful and terrible and twisted. <laughs> and I am so hyped for this. Just the concept, mm-hmm. even if that's not the case, but the words scary multiverse of madness mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Now there was also, again, WandaVision, a TV show. It's going to star Scarlet yes. Witch. Uh, it was coming to come out a couple of weeks, maybe a couple months before Doctor Strange and her appearance there, um, but they confirmed that the, that the series will be a direct lead-in to the movie um, based on the events of it. We don't know what those events are. It's going to include the adult version of Monica Rambeau, played by Tiona Paris from If Beale She Could Talk, which is great. That's super exciting news. Hopefully, it means she's going to appear in future MCU films as well. Um, can't imagine she won't, but the... The WandaVision series leading into a movie about the multiverse opens up a lot of doors where is the WandaVision series about her. It seems to be it's with her, her and Vision, played by Paul Bettany. Is it about her trying to bring him back, opening up the multiverse? Is it about her changing reality and creating the multiverse? Is it, we don't know what exactly it's going to be, but like this puts huge implications on WandaVision and then kind of leaves us with like, huh, what is, like, what is the, what is Doctor Strange 2 going to, like, actually look like? Because, like, are they going into the multiverse? Has the multiverse been opened and cracked or destroyed? Uh, there are so many different ways, but in in any case, the possibility of Doctor Strange teaming up with Scarlet Witch, maybe even, like, mentoring her, training her, showing her how to better control her powers so there's not another, um, Lago situation on on their hands at any point in the future or to stop her from ever doing whatever she did in mm. WandaVision again uh, makes Doctor Strange 2 super exciting but also just like it's like we have to keep an eye on WandaVision because that's clearly going to like have big things moving forward yeah well I, I, um, I don't know I don't know if I necessarily agree with you a thousand percent there okay because I we don't know the nature of these Movies. I know Kevin Feige's like, oh, they'll have consequences. They're the TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Like, show me that first, man. Like, uh, like you know, you know, Anthony Mackie with Captain America punching Zemo in the face, and him not like, you know, like Zemo not being around or having a broken nose in the next movie. Is that that kind of consequence, or is it like shattering, shaking, um, earthquaking, foundation moving, paradigm shifting consequences? But when you're dealing with the two most powerful people we have in the MCU mm-hmm. and you have that as your kind of your your North Star of consequences, WandaVision, mm-hmm. you have to operate under the assumption something like these are going to have synergy with each other. Right. Especially with Doctor Strange being in that May slot. Mm-hmm. That's that's Avengers yeah. territory. That's you Avengers. Don't... It's Guardians. It's Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And that's about I it. guess... Captain America 3 was in May. Yes. But I think it's just been those That's franchises. That's event moment time mm-hmm. for the MCU. Yeah, it's, this is normally like their big thing. And this will be two years after Endgame. So uh, it's in that right spot of like, okay, show us after Black Widow Eternals kind of reset, probably take things a little smaller, more personal, more let's introduce you to new characters. Here's, the, here's what you know, but maybe here's what you don't know. And here's what we're going to change about what you think you know about the future. 
I think that's how MC movies work. I think so. But <laughs> but like to go back to go back to your question real quick um, about the importance of the Disney Plus series. Like I yeah. think it's going to be more like I don't think what like in like if there was a prelude miniseries that led up to a Captain America Civil War, it would have been about like Falcon and Captain America trying to find crossbones slash mm-hmm. Bucky. Like yeah. that would have been it just to be like, here's a prelude story to get from the end of age of Ultron to, and now they're on the chase in Lagos going after crossbones. Right. That's the story. There's a lot of crossbone stuff in there, whatever. So it's like, if the last time we've seen Scarlet, Witch is at the end of end game, she seemed pretty happy or satisfied understanding what happened and the consequences being like, Oh no, I think they know. Maybe that was like some slight toward like hint towards well, there's a multiverse mm-hmm. and visions out there somewhere. I'm going to go find him and bring him here. Yeah. Maybe that's what the hint was all along. Um, but like, I think though, and like maybe like the Falcon and winter soldier one will tease like, here's them going after Zemo or teaming up with Zemo. And then Zemo escapes at the end and now he's free. And then it's like, Oh, Captain America Four, 2024 Zemo is the villain slash it's the Thunderbolts or whatever. Right. And like, that's how they're doing it. It's like these like interconnecting stories that if you don't watch the series, you're going to, you're still going to understand what happened. So it's not like we're going to walk, we're going to see Eternals in November or we're going to see Shang-Chi in February and then jump into Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness in May and be like, wait, the whole earth's been destroyed by (laughs) Scarlet Witch. What's (laughs) happened? Like you can't go that far Mm -hmm. because you can't expect everybody who's going to go see these, the, the biggest movies, usually of the year yeah that they're going to all subscribe to disney plus all watch your lead-in series right. so they have to be important events to influence what comes next but not so important that it's like if you missed this it's like oh you missed the snap or something mm-hmm. like you can't <laughs> skip over events like that yeah okay so it's a difficult balance um fair enough and yeah I mean, once i think falcon where soldier rise in 2020 will have a better idea of how they really mm-hmm. tie in after that we go back into november 2021 for the next installment of the Thor franchise, Thor 4, as it was revealed ahead of time for San Diego Comic-Con. THR put out this report. Taika Waititi has loved Akira. Chris Hemsworth is back as Thor. Thor 4 is happening. It's coming to Marvel Studios. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, what happened? And then, sure enough, near the end of their panel um, at San Diego Comic-Con, they announced November 5th, 2021, Thor, colon, Love and Thunder hits theaters. Uh, Taika Waititi back to direct. Chris Hemsworth back to star as Thor, Tessa Thompson back as Valkyrie and like probably the, the most surprising thing to come out of this thing uh, of this whole panel, which is saying something Mm -hmm. Natalie Portman is back in the MCU, but she's not just playing Jane Foster. She is playing female Thor. Holy crap. Oh my goodness. How did like what? That is the, that is, that is the most stunning 180 of all time since Arnold Specter changed parties in 2009. That's a deep cut. Yeah, that, but, I, that, uh, that went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody was like, holy crap, all of this. Yes. Second of all, nobody was more done with the MCU, we thought, I felt. Oh, yeah. We all joked uh-huh. about was just Lampoon perfectly in Thor Ragnarok, but then Natalie Portman. Right. It's, she's probably, she may be second to Hugo Weaving because <laughs> okay, he yes. has a lot of disdain for having to wear that red skull makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's definitely, if not first, she is second of like, I'm done. My contract is 
is is done as far as I know. I'm not going back. But then she popped up at Avengers Endgame premiere. I was like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Why is she there? We saw her in a we, game. And then she was like, oh, it's, like, oh, it's because she's in Endgames. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it's like, oh, but that footage was just old footage from Thor the Dark World that was cut out. So she didn't really actually have to film anything for the movie. Uh-huh. But then she recorded the voiceover lines for yes. the hallway scene. She wasn't actually the one in that scene. So mm-hmm. it's like, whatever the Russos that slash Kevin Feige did when they're like, hey, Natalie, come in to do this ADR thing for us real quick. It's going to take you a day. Oh, by the way, since you're here, let me, uh, let, let's talk about something real quick. Right. What if you came back? I know, we know, we know. You don't want to. We get mm-hmm. it. You were mad that we fired Patty Jenkins. Yes. We understand. So are we probably after the fact. But what if you come back? And you play female Thor. And she's probably like, what? That's a thing? You're you're given powers. You're working with the hottest direct, One of the hottest directors. Both, one of the most stylish, for sure. One of the most <laughs> stylish, uh, male, presently handsome, I guess, I suppose, too. <laughs> and just downright funny guys that we have on this planet, who's in the, my favorite show, Rick and Morty, soon. And you can be the co-star. Yeah, I guess I don't know what the layout's gonna be, and she says yes. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense. I haven't seen Vox Lux yet, but I've seen no. the trailers, and I know it's semi-satirical and very funny or plenty mm-hmm. funny, and it's a perfect one-two jump. Well, it's like you know what the best part about this is. Yes. So, I love Natalie Portman's collaborations with Lonely Island. Mm-hmm. Her Natalie raps are uh, oh. phenomenal. Yes, and every time I watch them or hear them, I was like, Natalie, oh Natalie. Why don't you do more comedies? Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, Cooper, I hear you. You know, I don't think I ever said this publicly. She read my mind across the planet. It's like, all right, I'll team up with Taika Waititi and do a Thor movie where I'm female Thor. Like, that is just absolutely wild. Um, I have, again, a lot of questions mm-hmm. <laughs> about how this is going to happen, what it means. Um, is this about, you know, Thor going off on his own after, as we saw at the end of Avengers Endgame and being like, I'm going to go be who I want to be. And then realizing, you know what? I want to go back to Earth and be with Jane. <laughs> yeah. But then he comes back to Earth and is like, wait, Jane's not here? Slash, wait, Jane got cancer? Wait, what happened to her? And then to find oh. out that, like, she is now this, like, she is sick. And now that he has to try to find a way to cure her, potentially. And then he, she becomes female Thor through the power of the Odin Force. Is that how this is going to go down? Somewhere like the comics? Or, as the lead-in movie of this is Doctor Strange... In the mat in the multiverse of madness, is this Jane Foster from a different universe mm. who has come to our earth, come to our reality um, through her own will, by a mistake, by the, the 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 holes in reality that Mysterio was teasing us about that weren't actually a thing apparently at that point, but maybe they could be in a couple of years from now. Mm-hmm. I just I'm very curious, but more so just like ecstatic that it means we're getting. T- Two-time Oscar winner? One-time Oscar winner? Natalie Portman? Uh, one time for sure. Academy she, she Award won, she winning. Won, she won for Black Swan. Yes. I know that. I don't... Yeah. I think it's just one time. But that is... Uh, that's... It, it, it's insane. And it's just like... Where like where where are we going with the story? Love and Thunder? Like, who's... Like, is this about... Is this like a real, like, Taika Waititi romance? Like a mm-hmm. rom-com? Where it's like... Here's Thor and Jane finding their way back to each other, but also, as uh, Tessa Thompson confirmed on stage, the movie is going to confirm that Valkyrie is LGBTQ, and it's going to be about her, the king of Asgard, finding her queen. Mm-hmm. So, like, that got a big applause. That's 
probably going to be central to the movie as well. Yeah. Who are they going to get to fill that void? I don't know. Um, but it's just like there's like just so much here that's going on. I'm sensing Love Actually from this movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Love Actually. I so haven't I've... seen it either, but the general gist of the story is just like a bunch of different couples. Uh-huh. Or no, what's the other one? Crazy Stupid Love. Ooh. I'm sensing Crazy Stupid Love, but within the MCU of superpowers, of superpowers <laughs> and, and, space? And, and thunder and space okay. and all sorts of Asgardian things. Um, but the setup and the potential and the you know, the return of Korg, of course, I hope. Oh yes, it means um, it's got to be back. All, all of these things, I uh, all of this is this is just a um, what do you call it? a primordial soup of Taika Waititi <laughs> awesome yeah. that's only going to get more people cast to it. Mm-hmm. And if they still haven't found Keanu Reeves's role yet for the MCU. I don't know what you would do, but throw him into this mix. <laughs> that would be Keanu in every movie. Perfect. Every MC movie. I don't care. It's the multiverse. Yeah. You can play every single <laughs> Let's character. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's um, do it. The, the, the question I do have about this, though, is when it was kind of announced through the trades that t- Thor 4 was on the way, Yeah, I was like, okay, well, this movie, even though people are saying it's happening soon, I'm like, I don't buy it because Endgame originally was going to set up guardians three to be like its next movie. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, well gun script either a doesn't have Thor in it at all, which would be a surprise. Um, yeah. or B has Thor leave the movie at some point, probably early on. So then he could tell his own story because he probably wasn't planning on having Thor as part of his story originally. So I thought for sure that that meant that Thor four would come after guardians three. That's not the case. Thor four has leapfrogged, Guardians 3 and a bunch of the sequels that we'll talk about in a second. Um, and that leaves me wondering slash guessing that the Guardians are in Thor Love and Thunder as well, at least for the opening. They they need it, to be. Or at least like Rocket and Groot. And it's like, here's them like taking him to wherever his destination is and then saying, all right, bye, pal. Mm-hmm. See you later. Right. Wink, wink. We'll see us for some cosmic team up movie in four years. Like, is that what we're doing? I think maybe, or like, like I said, like I, um, there's, there's these elements of the guardians can be in this movie. It can be a, a, you know, um, a, a proto guardians of the galaxy three movie with Thor, mm-hmm. d- d- you know, doing his own, I'm on my journey of self-discovery <laughs> with his band of misfits uh-huh. and he can find himself Jane Foster from earth who has just been abandoned and left can find herself Mm -hmm. and tessa thompson's character can find herself and herself at bay Uh and then they can all collide together in like this um this uh tarantino-esque storyline weaving thing where they all come together and like we're all looking for love or ourselves and then we need to fight this intercosmic thing that has come down upon us another thor villain that's very famous and we haven't seen yet like the whatever whoever the god of love is or like the enchantress oh she's like yes she's the villain which i can actually see that happening that would work i have no clue that it oh no that's a different enchantress from the suicide squad universe but anyway (laughs) no definitely not that that's kind of my that's kind of my thing okay but i i i i don't know what taika is gonna you know play with all these, and I just, I don't know, but bring it on. Right. I, I, I cannot see, if the Guardians are in this movie, I think it's going to be a very small role. Because mm-hmm. I think that Gunn has a very specific story that sure. he already wrote two years ago for Guardians 3. Yep. And I don't think that Taika or anybody at Marvel wants to change that in any way. So if anything, it's going to be like, oh, Gunn wasn't totally aware that Thor was going to be on board the Benatar at the end. So it's like, hey, Taika. 
oh. you can you can go ahead and do this and just make sure that like you have the guardians dump him off somewhere and be like all right we're going to do to find our next mission or to find Gamora, just lay the seed of whatever the mission is. Mm-hmm. And then they can set up guardians to very subtly that way and have it be quick Thor for Thor love and thunder. That's going to be so weird to say um, is now like it can be its own thing after a 10 minute opening sequence of the, as guardians of the galaxy operating on their, mm-hmm. you know, their first and last mission together or something. <laughs> right. And it's yes. like, no, this does not work. We have yeah. to split apart. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, from that point on, we move forward. The guardians go off their own and then gun can pick up the pieces yeah. when he does his movie. Gun gun was never fired as a producer. No, he's been, he's been there the whole time. They have rearranged and rejiggered all the way through. Mm-hmm. That's so important to know. And so whatever they've got going down, because yes, Hemsworth is in Thor four. Yep. We'll figure it out, though. But I would just, I, yeah, like the idea that they would just hate each other, like right off the start. <laughs> like, I think we joked about it on Twitter together, yeah, a little bit. Like he's gonna screw up, they're gonna throw him out the airlock, and then where does Thor go from there? We don't know, but he's definitely going to another Taika Waititi movie, and I'm, I'm in love with the whole thing. Oh, it's it's gonna be incredible, and I, I you know, actually, because New Asgard is on Earth now, I keep forgetting about that. I wonder if that is going like like him and Valkyrie are in contact or something, or it's like, it's been a while and he goes back to earth and to visit them, to see his old buddies. And then he finds out through like the news or something that like, you know, Jane is sick and that's how we get kicked off on this adventure. I can see that. I can see something like that happening. Um, but, uh, that is the actual last movie that Marvel actually dated. Kevin Feige did kind of finish up the panel, um, by talking about movies that are in development that they're definitely working on. Um, as well as other Disney Plus shows, which includes the Hawkeye show that's going to introduce Kate Bishop, the female version of Hawkeye. So that's uh, very exciting news and probably sets up future Young Avengers or whatever other movies they're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but the six movies that he, or the five movies that he announced are in development right now that are not coming until at least 2022 are Black Panther 2, duh, Guardians 3, yep. duh, Captain Marvel 2, double duh. Uh, and then he confirmed that X-Men and Fantastic Four are in the works in some level. Doesn't specify uh-huh. how that's going to be, when it's going to be, where it's going to be. Um, but he did finally was able to say, we're working on that. Right. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, it's a excitement, but it's also like quadruple, triple dog, extremely duh. <laughs> right. But it's also like just him being able to say like, yeah. yes, this is our next two years. The victory. Lap. Black Widow, Eternal, Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange. In the multiverse of madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, the, those are our next two years. But after that, mm-hmm. we still have all of this glory and goodness to get yeah. to. Um, I didn't ask you what's your most anticipated movie of twenty twenty one: Shang Chi, Doctor Strange, or Thor? Shang Chi. It's new, and I am I'm just excited to see what comes out of that because I think that there's the potential for something really different and cool and new mm-hmm. is just right there for the taking, and so. I'm ready to jump on board that. I, I'm not going to give it to Love and Thunder because I, I think I know it's coming with that. And um, it can only live down my expectations. <laughs> Shang-Chi can be a whole new thrill ride. Right. And so that's that's where I'm landing. And then like Doctor Strange, yeah. Like I want to know what this horror movie, that like, that's my genre. And, but we'll see. It can, it can, only, it can only, again, live down my expectations. <laughs> this is just something new that like we can all grab onto and hug and say, more please you right. know, and then let it live down my expectations going forward no, I, th- I think i would actually go with dr strange as my just because yeah. it's like that the idea of 
Strange and Scarlet Witch together doing some mystical, magical um, mess up thing with the multiverse. It's just like that sounds super interesting and something that's like, again, it's like that can't miss. You can, you can't you cannot skip this movie. And so like I feel like in that way it's going to be very big, yeah. very cool, um, and hopefully very good. So um, yeah, it's as those those five movies we just mentioned um, are definitely on the way. I I was surprised that Black Panther 2 not dated. I thought that Crazy. that was a 2021 movie for sure. Three years out, put it in the May slot, makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I mentioned this before we started recording that I think up until Taika left Akira, they were probably planning on, all right, Doctor Strange is going to be November and then Black Panther 2 will be in May. And we'll work, Coogler's working on the outline right now. He'll have time to shoot it. It'll be great. Um, but then they're like, oh, Taika just left. This is our window. We got to do it. And so they capitalize on that. And in doing so, they're probably like, Coogler, you can take another year to get your movie done. He's probably like, okay, great. Because I can improve it even more so. Yeah, also, what's he doing? Where's my, where's my Ryan Coogler project? He, he's not working on any indies. I mean, he's producing Space Jam, yeah, right. too. Um, but he's not, he, he doesn't have a, a TV series in the works Nuts. or anything. So he's just really he's taking a break from scheming. doing Fruitvale to Creed to Black Panther. And now he's he's taking the last year off, I believe, basically, um, as, from a, as far as like directing goes. And now he's just kind of chilling, working on Black Panther 2. It could still film early and just be done really early, but um, that's going to be a 2022 movie now. And that, that does, if of all the movies we did not get confirmed, that's the mm-hmm. one that shocks me the most. Because right. I thought that three-year window, put it in May, give it that prime summer spot. That's where Black Panther 2 is going to come out. It's going to be a Black Panther versus Namor, whatever. Black, Black Panther colon Atlantis War. And it's like, holy crap. Black Panther Two is going to be insane. Yeah, I have been seeing been seeing tweets, but I haven't been able to read between the lines that all of this that we have in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one will open the door to Namor and all of those things, huh. and they need to come from it. But I don't know how or why. Or it was just if they're doing this, that means this is possible, and that means things. I'm- I mean, anything's possible. We have, again, yes. Marvel and Kevin Feige, they think about this literally 24 hours a day. Um, like at their and, job or something. Right, those weirdos. And, like, they like they have, even though this is all we know, like, I'm sure in their minds they already know this is when Black Panther 2 is going to hit theaters. This is when Captain Marvel 2 is going to hit theaters. This yeah. is when Guardians 3 is going to come out. And the big surprise, to cap it all off, at the end of the night, two-time Oscar winner, Mahershala Ali walked out on the stage as Black Widow has to be handed out to everybody in tennis. It's like, holy crap, mm-hmm. who's he playing? What's he in? Is he in Black Widow? That's insane. Like, this is going to be crazy. And then Kevin Feige mentions, oh, you have a, a you have, you brought your own hat? Puts it on Blade Marvel movie with Mahershala Ali. Holy crap. Yeah, I am stunned. This was, the, this was the thing I was like, oh, Disney Plus series. Oh, no. Like, that deserves <laughs> better than that. Because, I mean, we don't know what that's going to be. But right. I, was just, I was just grossed out. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. There's no Disney Plus logo on this. There's, there's, Mahershala Ali is not going to television. He's getting off of television. And he's going to get his own freaking movie. Yeah. There is literally not a better person on planet Earth, other than Wesley Snipes himself, to return to the role to take over this role, and I don't know why it didn't come to us. Like it didn't come to me at first at all. We like pretended we knew what a Blade movie would look like. We didn't know what a Blade movie was going to look like, <laughs> and 
holy smokes my mind is literally i i am unbelievably so happy the blade movies are some of my are probably my favorite early mc or marvel movies uh-huh. marvel comic book movies um other than like spider-man 2 it's probably you probably get blade right underneath that um blade 2 not so much uh-huh. but oh man it's it's insane um, it's nuts and i can't wait to see who they get to direct and i can't wait to see who does what with it it probably needs to be david leach but oh man i'm so so so, so stoked i don't know i don't know about i don't know who i want to direct it now i, I just thought rick famuyua that'd be awesome he's building his relationship with disney uh, it'd be very cool to see him and rehearse the work together um the thing that this is all crazy and shocking and because like marvel studios are gonna do a blade movie is it gonna be r-rated we don't know um but like casting rehearsal already signifies that like this movie is coming very soon it's not like oh by the way we're doing a blade movie but like nothing's been announced we don't know who's directing it it's very early stages that that'll announcement by itself be like whole like whoa what does this mean? And now it's like, but we know that Mahershal Ali is going to play the character and that's insane. But then also <laughs> Kevin Feige told THR how it happened. And this is, this is the wildest thing to me. He said that after Mahershal Ali won his second Oscar for his, uh, for best supporting actor in green book, mm-hmm. which he was well deserving of. Cause he's probably the best part of the movie. Yeah. He called up Kevin Feige the next day, I think for a meeting. And when the meeting started, he said, I want to be blade. And it's like, what <laughs> like you like this is the position that marvel studios and kevin feige are in right now mm-hmm. when people win their oscars their next thought is here's the marvel character i'm going to play i'm not going to ask them mm-hmm. i don't know if they're doing it i don't know if anything i'm going to walk into kevin feige's office all on my own and say kevin mr feige <gasps> sir yeah i know you've made a lot of successful movies i've won two oscars by myself in the last two years mm-hmm. i think and I'm going to be Blade. You're going to make a movie. Yes. It's going to be great. Uh-huh. And it, it, Kevin Feige says, yes, Mahershala. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We're doing this. We will film it next year. He's like, you don't have a turn. He's like, we will get one right now. Yeah. <laughs> Who do this, you want? <laughs> this is the briefcase full of money. <laughs> right. You just go get ready, practice some swords and stuff, and we will we'll get back to you very, very, like that, very, Like, very that quickly. is just mind-blowing. <laughs> it's like, it's not like Marvel went after him. I'm sure they have before, maybe. What but a it's baller like, move. Mahershala walked into Marvel Studios, the biggest studio on the planet. Mm-hmm. For the biggest franchise on the planet, who just made the biggest movie of all time financially, and said, this is the role I want. You will give it to me. And they said, we agree. <laughs> let's do this. And let's bring you to Comic-Con. And it's like, and like, so what, he won his Oscar in February? Yes. So like that thing's been mm-hmm. secretly locked, like a handshake agreement, for yeah. five months, and it never came out. That's Nothing. even crazier. It's like, how does no reporter or anybody get a sniff of Mahershala Ali meeting with Marvel Studios and being like, yeah, we'll do a Blade movie with you. It's just, it's in, it's, it, it is pure insanity. And I, I could not, when it, when it popped up, when it, cause I, this whole experience in Comic-Con and writing all about it and everything was basically just me watching TweetDeck and seeing a thousand tweets a minute go through my feed. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And then Mahershala Ali, yeah. Mahershala Ali, Mahershala Ali, Blade, 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 Mahershala Ali is Blade. Mahershala, oh my gosh. I'm like, no way it, it, it didn't make any sense at the time mm-hmm. it was right after he named draft contested for and mutants and it was like what's happening and then t- to have the ultimate mic drop and be like you know what here's the final announcement nobody has talked about it we know we've confirmed a lot of things you guys already suspected here's something nobody knows about and for marvel's 
is it their second straight Comic Con? I know I, I, their their appearances. I think where they've mic dropped surprise actors playing this role. Yes, uh, Brie Larson I guess, as Captain Marvel would be the most iconic, memorable one. Right, but actually, days. I think that was actually 2016. Gotcha. I think is when they announced that. Maybe because they skipped 2018, they were there 2017, and they did Infinity War footage and all that stuff. And yeah, she was already cast at that point. That year, they surprised announced Michelle Pfeiffer, which is that's a pretty big mm. deal. Um, but then, like, yes. at the El Capitan event in 2014, Marvel surprised announced Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, and he's going to be in Civil War. It's like I don't understand how Marvel does this, like consistently gets these people secretly cast them, but then also like gets them all to Comic Con, and is like. Here, come to our panel. And it uh-huh. was like, huh, one of them personally is at Comic Con. There's not like an Elite a Battle Angel sequel panel that he's part of. There's nope. like, there's not a True Detective season three retrospective panel. Like, all of these things are just done top secret, under the radar. Nobody knows about it. And then they come out and do this. And it's, it leaves you just completely shell shocked. And you're just like, wow. Like, this is Blade, Star Mahershal, is probably a 2022 movie for Marvel Studios. And that is wild. If anything, it's probably the next movie up for them. I would say, after Thor, after Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the one that has a cast. It's the one that all they need is a director, right? And they've probably already had those. Maybe they haven't to try to keep the news from leaking. But yeah. it's like, right? They they probably have a script in house in the works, and they're probably like gearing up for that new because all these other movies they've announced have directors some of black widows already filming um most of them already have major cast members attached so it's like now that you know mahershal Ali's blade it's still a weird thing to say it's like here we go moving forward it's the weirdest thing to say but also it's the most it, it seems like it's been true for a while <laughs> i don't know like the, the the elite battle angel images of him oh yeah dark trench coat specs i think even like is he wearing? I think he's got even like a. He's, he's got he's got like a fade. A flat top yeah. fade, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I, it, I, like I've seen it before, and as soon as it was maybe said, that's maybe that's how it came to be. He was yeah. getting his makeup and costumes done for leaving. He's clothed himself in the mirror. And he's like, you know what? I look a lot like Blade right now. Hey, James, Robert, can I keep this costume real quick? I need to go and speak with Marvel Studios. <laughs> that would be okay. I, and he I, just walks into that costume just and just like drops to, the mic. I'm trying to imagine that meeting. Does he walk in with both Oscars, drop them onto the table, and just kind of go, "We doing Blade?" Or like, yeah. is it the like, "Yes, yes, we're doing Blade." Or I don't know, but it's I, I could talk. I could really talk endlessly about it because I love Blade and. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, bring it on. I, we could, I could just stutter around like all of this, but now I'm just looking at Maharshal Ali wearing sunglasses, and I can I can see it everywhere <laughs> I go. And man, they have a they have a chance to just blow everything out of the water, and yeah. I am I am so ready for here's, it. Here's here's my surprise pick, surprise prediction, long shot prediction for director of Blade. Got it. Gerard McMurray, oh. the director of the first Purge who, if you've listened on the past episodes, I've mentioned that I wanted the star of his movie, Yolande Noel, to actually play Blade in MCU. I will gladly take Mahershala instead. Um, but Jarvik Murray, um, I think The First Purge is a solid movie. He also is, was a producer on Fruitvale Station, so he has an in with Ryan Coogler, who clearly has strong ties with Marvel Studios. And I think that he would be... The, the action in Purge, in The First Purge, is the best part of that movie. Plus, it's got good characters, but like, if he can bring that and that gritty style to a Blade movie, uh, I am all here for it. So I think we need to move on 
from Marvel, even though I think we could, there's so much more we could talk about and theorize and predict. Um, but we'll move on from Marvel and all those announcements. At the end of the day, I'm crazy excited. I was already like, I'm, you know, I'm, I was like, I'm in for phase four, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Um, but then like, I was like, but you know, maybe it also would have been nice to have like a year off and just let everything about Endgame and Far From Home like sink in. But I'm just like, no, I need Blade tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I need uh, Doctor Strange in the in the Multiverse of Madness the day after that. I need Thor: Love and Thunder right after that, and Shang Chi and the Legend of the uh, of the Ten Rings coming after, and Eternals and Black Widow. I just need them all. And so it's like, don't stop. Yeah, give me four movies a year, Marvel. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, it's all this. It's all new. It's all different. It's all. It all looks incredibly i'm just ready to explore it yeah and bring it on yeah so let's move on to ticket or skip it here um there were a bunch of others to uh, to choose from this week the first trailer for the king's man the first trailer for the red sea diving resort the first trailer for playing with fire the second trailer for ad astra the second trailer for it chapter two the first trailer for top gun maverick and the second trailer for 21 bridges josh which one gets your ticket this week this was impossible to try to pick it's a good week it is a good week and i will say i did not expect the maverick to jump out there and did not expect to like it as much as i did but that said it just wasn't as good as the chapter two trailer and i'm in love with every frame of this thing um from its from how twisted and dark it's getting even it's it's pushing even further i I think the they know that they have to move the envelope further and they're getting into some very very heavy things in this and pennywise and bill skarsgård have never looked more terrifying um bill Hader, i I just want to hug him so much (laughs) now and uh, jessica chastain looks like she's earning herself the oscar that she got robbed no she won the oscar for Zero Dark Thirty. She got robbed an Oscar for Zero Dark Thirty. She's been I'll robbed Oscars before, and everyone should feel terrible because she's crushing it in this. And um, I am just so ready for this next and final chapter of it uh, because, yes. She was nominated. She's been nominated for two Oscars. Yeah. She's yet to win. She was nominated for The Help in 2011 uh, at the 2012 Oscars and for Zero Dark Thirty at the 2013 Oscars. So but An absolute crime. What, Bring it on. My big question is what's what's happening in that scene where she's like smiling and looks like she's like like basically taking like a selfie. She's drenched in blood. I'm assuming that's like the bloodiest scene in movie history that Chastain keeps teasing. Uh, but just like her weird smile. Is she like possessed by Pennywise? Is Pennywise posing as her? I don't know what's happening, but that shot gave me the creeps. Uh, that shot gave me the creeps. The shot of looks like the origin story of Pennywise. Like it's yeah. really suspended man is just losing his mind and weird. there's a there's like a, like a the house, house of mirrors of yes and maybe that's where i got from but just <laughs> all of this looks phenomenal there's these fading images of pennywise just looking it, it looks like it's it, it maybe some cheaper thrills i don't know but i'm ready to feel all of this give it to me yeah i mean i was already in for it chapter two um trailer was good but i gotta say the trailer that surprisingly shockingly made me the most excited out of anything i saw this week was Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. I was uh, completely shocked. It was incredible, dare I say, that like it got right back. I don't even love Top Gun. It's like it's a it's a pretty good movie. It's true, but like I don't think it's like the best top like Top Cruise movie by any means. And it's just like this one looks like it's just right. There. Maybe it's all the Mission Impossible Fallout vibes I got of him flying his own jet and you know flipping over going uh, upside down jump, diving over a mountaintop i'm like oh tom cruise 
What are you doing, you bad uh-huh. man? And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was Glenn Powell just in the doing the the beach volleyball scene. Oh, man. Ripped as heck. Beast. Uh, just getting right on that, getting in that shape for Nova for a couple of years for Marvel. Uh, he's just right there. Miles Teller doing his, like, best goose jr impression obviously because he's goose jr but like he just mm-hmm. he looks the part jennifer conley hasn't aged a day it seems like in 20 years looks incredible um everything everything about this is just like it has all of the top gun feels maybe that won't be a great thing at the end of the day but that is an incredibly well cut well made trailer yeah that gave me all of the feels that i didn't think i was gonna have for a top gun maverick trailer if you would have asked me Earlier this week, you know, are you are you excited for Top Gun Maverick? Like, I mean, yeah, I guess. You know, it's Tom Cruise. Can't lose the Cruise. Yeah. You know, it's got Miles Teller and Glenn Powell, and it's got a Conley. It's got a good cast, and I like Joseph uh, Kaczynski as the director. Mm-hmm. But you know, McCory did some you know some punch up work on it, so like you know, it's got to it's got to be solid. But I wouldn't have said, I have to see it. Now I'm like, I need to see this movie. Every frame of that thing is just gorgeous. And me as like a low key like I mean I'm slowly becoming Tom Cruise's biggest fan too. That's right. But join the club. It looks stunning in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean and just the cinematography level looks like something McQuarrie has done, and I would be shocked to learn that McQuarrie is not a producer on this movie. I believe he is. Then yeah, okay, that makes sense because this looks like a McQuarrie movie, um, with Joseph just somehow behind camera because he did the first one. He did not. No, he didn't. But he's been doing Tom Cruise movies though. He yeah he did. Um, what was the one he did? The one he's like a man several years in the future. Humanity is like basically sta- extinct. Uh, oblivion. oblivion. That's Thank what it you. is. Yeah. I'm just double checking real quick to see if uh, Macquarie has a writing credit. And that's it as of now. I guess that could change. You can get producer credit down the road. But yeah. um, if he if he's not an actual producer, I feel like he's like the secret behind the scenes producer of like... I was there for most of this yeah. <laughs> helping you out. And so uh, I th- uh, that's, that's my take of this week. Top Gun Maverick comes out next July. Uh, I can't wait. We'll move on to the flyby here to quickly wrap up this episode. Um, as there was other news that came out, uh, including some stuff from Comic-Con, some stuff not from Comic-Con, um, including the surprise announcement that two Halloween sequels are on the way. Halloween Kills will arrive October 16, 2020, and Halloween ends on October 15, 2021, Will, A, are we surprised that there's two Halloween movies shooting back-to-back, coming out in back-to-back years, and B, will Halloween Ends actually be the end of this franchise? For at least 10 years, yes. Cool, I'm ready for it, though. Bring it on. Yeah, it's, I think uh, they will be the end of the Strode era, um, and really, I think if you're going to do that, just end the whole thing. Yep. If you're not going to have Strode versus The Shape, we've seen how that's gone before. We don't need a repeat of that, even though I think Blumhouse wants to make like 10 of these movies. Just... You can't call the movie Halloween Ends and be like, "JK, new movie in two years." Yeah. That doesn't does not work. Um, also, Little Mermaid has found its Eric and Triton collider, as Josh Daly correctly predicted uh, on last week's episode. Harry Styles is in talks to play Prince Eric, and then Deadline revealed that Javier Bardem is going to play King Triton. So Terry Crews not in that role. Um, the Rock not in that role. Javier Bardem instead, somebody who's familiar with Disney, who's in mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Yep. Um, he'll be a good Triton. Harry Styles, you get that fan appeal, that crazy One Direction Harry Styles fandom, um, and he'll be a good Prince Eric. And yeah. I, again, he didn't stand out to me as an actor in Dunkirk, but he he definitely was not a, he stood out in a bad way. So, you know, he, yeah. he, was, he, was, he was good, but he wasn't like, whoa, 
give this guy every movie role. Right. I didn't see One Direction when I looked at him, which was yes. which is a win for him and then he can carry his prince charisma into this and then jump on that soundtrack and, you know, produce a single for it and all that jazz. Mm. Got that star power. Yeah. So, uh then we also got a surprising update on Greta Gerwig's career as Radio Poor that she and her husband, I believe, Noah Bombach, are they just dating? I'm not totally sure what the relationship is. Um but they're Frequent partners um, are going to write the Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie um, and that Greta also has an eye on directing the film. So after doing Lady Bird last year, Little Women this year, her next project looks to be the Barbie live action movie with Margot Robbie. That's crazy. It's weird, but that's also a exciting pairing. That's like, all right, I'll go see a Barbie movie. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird combo because you think Greta Gerwig, like yeah, I've, I've already put her in this, like she's going to produce Oscar movies until eternity right. but then i remembered something she's gonna get paid That's she true. deserves to get paid for um lady bird like believe it or not she probably didn't make like two million dollars on that thing. oh definitely not um at least maybe afterwards after maybe. all the ice cream hype i don't know but she probably got a good payday for like little women give her oh for sure oh yes absolutely could you imagine the production budget and thing yeah um give her margot robbie you give her the barbie title you give her all of that um, and she can probably turn it from something that was going to be just, you know, a throwaway movie to something that maybe we like write a thousand things pieces on <laughs> and actually like go to laugh at love and then keep going. We're just about Barbie, but yeah, she's um, the one who can do it. We also got word on uh, new projects for two directors that we are very big fans of here at the friends of Home, uh, podcast. One being Damien Chazelle's new movie from uh, deadline here. We the Emma Stone and Brad Pitt are probably going to star in his 1920 set Hollywood drama. That sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it. Everything about it. It's going to be great. Um, And we also heard that Olivia Wilde has landed her new movie. Um, Same same writer as Booksmart. It's going to be a holiday comedy based on original idea between the two of them. Land at Universal. There's no timetable when it's going to hit theaters, but I have to imagine based on its Christmas premise that's coming out next Christmas. Um, So... uh, I'm just happy that it's like, oh, Booksmart, was it was it a failure? Was it a success? We don't know. doesn't matter. She has a new movie. Well, let's move on. I'm excited about it. Well, yeah. actually, don't move on. Go see Booksmart. It's great. Booksmart was a success because it's a good movie and we loved it. Exactly. And it probably it made like four times its budget. Ta-da. So, you know, sure, it wasn't a $100 million earn at the box office, but... That's, that's 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 okay. It's a cult classic. Yeah, already. for sure. Um, and then lastly, we have a director change for Space Jam 2 as Deadline reported that uh, Terrence Nance is out as the director of the movie, even though production has already started and Malcolm D. Lee is now taking over. He previously directed, um, uh, what did he do? Night School with Kevin Hart. Uh, what was that, last year? So he's taking over a similar, somewhat a familiar person for Hollywood studios instead of Terrence Nance, who has yet to do sort of this big Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the reasoning is for this. Hopefully it wasn't like a, oh, production's gone terribly. We have to get rid of you, Terrence Nance. You can't handle this sort of a thing. Um, and maybe it's more of like he wanted to do something a little more edgy and then they're like, we, this needs to be PG family friendly. This is LeBron and Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Malcolm D. Lee instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's probably the case, but that, or maybe oh well. he looked at LeBron James in the eyes for too long or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Give him a bad note. <laughs> he said, he said, you know, LeBron, I really need more motion from you in this scene. He's like, you know what? Get out of here. <laughs> we can, I can get a new director you in a second. You don't know. I, I, don't. I mean, I, I, mean I, I don't know LeBron at all. I don't know how he works on studios. He seems like a great guy, but he also seems very controlling <laughs> mm-hmm. and particular. I mean, he's ran, he's ran the last three franchises that he's belonged to. Yeah. So, you know, who, who's to say? Yeah. I mean, he got two, <laughs> First year coaches 
or I guess two second year coaches fired mm-hmm. <laughs> and one in Cleveland, one in LA. So thank lo- goodness Spo made it through. Yeah, <laughs> love, love him to death, but you know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's a hard comparison it's a hard to, life. Not to, to avoid. Yeah. Um, but that is all we have for this week. Next week, We'll be back with a review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the latest Quentin Tarantino movie, the ninth one that he's directed, or if you tenth, if you count Kill Bill as two different movies. Josh, how excited are you for this? I am I'm middling excited because Tarantino movies don't excite me as much. But when I get there, I see the genius and I love it. Um, and it's always a reliably something different. So that's that's where the excitement's coming from. But also. I've got to be carried by the story, and that's usually how it goes for me. Mm-hmm. Like, Hateful Eight, I'm like, I don't want to see Western. Now, yeah, of course, that's one of the ones I need to see. Same thing <laughs> with Django Unchained. Um, Kill Bill's like, I've gone reluctantly to all of his films. This one, I'm not going reluctantly to because I finally identified what my problem is. Um, so that that's where the hype's coming from. But I love this era of Hollywood, and so I'm ready to see it kind of unfold on screen in the way he sees it. Yeah. And plus, DiCaprio's calling him Nazi scum and I just can't wait to see that (laughs) (laughs) exactly so uh, that's all I have for this episode if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share retweet more plus head over to iTunes give us a 5 star review with comments tell us why you enjoy listening to the show you can uh, follow us on Twitter as well at FriendsFilm you can follow me personally on there at MovieCooper and you can get at me Josh and here's Joshua Ryan thanks again for tuning in to the FriendsFilm podcast Josh thank you for stopping in everybody and be sure to turn next week for our future episodes